Good morning. Uh, we were in Ephesians 3 two weeks ago. Uh, last week we got to hear from Randy Pope, excellent sermon on the sovereignty of God. And we return to Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. If you're using your uh, pew Bibles, you'll find this on page 977. We're, we're going to focus on verses 20 and 21, but we will read from verse 14 uh, for the context once again. Basically, there is a prayer that Paul is praying or tells them the prayer that he is, the kind of prayer he prays, and he's praying it right as he writes. And then he gives an ascription of praise uh, at the end of this prayer. And it's that ascription we'll focus on. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. O oh Lord, we Thank you for your precious word to us. Your precious word that, as Paul writes here, teaches us how to pray for your church and then brings us to this glorious ascription of praise that in the very declaration of it encourages us to remember who our God is and what he is capable of. Oh, Lord, may our hearts go out in praise and faith in new ways, not only in this time we spend, but Lord, may this affect the way we pray to you, affect the things we pray for, affect what we expect of our great and glorious God. We ask this for your glory and honor. Amen. Kids, we have uh, three words. One of them is a kind of phrase, but hyper, right? Hyper. Then stars and me. Stars and me. And then evil judge. Evil judge. So we know it's not about any of our judges. It's about a different judge that Jesus talks about. Now, the first part of this doxology is basically a name given to God. 
The first part is to name the one to whom glory is given. Paul could have said, to God be the glory, okay? But all of verse 20 is naming this God. He is the able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to his power that works within us, God, okay? That's the kind of God he is, that God. To glorify him as such is to recognize him as such and to believe him as such. It is to pray to him as that kind of God. Now you can follow along in the sermon notes here, but the point is to pray to this God, not another God. Don't pray to a weak God. That God doesn't exist. The God in your head, perhaps. The God that tends to be in our head. The only God is the all-powerful all God. Pray to him. Recognize him. You know, Jesus teaches us to begin our prayers in the same way. We prayed it this morning. Our Father who art in heaven. Heaven indicates that he is above all the powers of this world. They cannot stop him. They will not stop him. He is all-powerful, unlimited. And coupled with that, he's our Father. He has an infinite desire to do us good, and he has an infinite capacity to do us good, and nothing will stop him from his plan to do us good. Our Father Lord in heaven. So Jesus, at the beginning of that prayer, is teaching us, remember the God to whom you pray. He is the God who's able to do far more abundantly. Know who you're praying to. It makes a difference in how you pray. It makes a difference in the faith with which you pray, for sure. It makes a difference in the expectation you have of what he will do. And it will even begin to affect the very things you pray for as you are expecting this glorious God to answer your prayers. Now, you see, next I have this phrase, stretching language. And that is, Paul is basically trying to stretch out the Greek language, language to try and encompass the greatness of God. And we'll see, actually, he can't do it. And so he has to make up stuff in order to do it. I, I love this. So just to show you, now I know this is like, okay, bore me to death, talk about Greek words. But there is a point to this, all right? A very important point that we talk about uh, these Greek words. And they're pretty familiar words in our English language. This word able, he is able, is which we get the words for dynamite, dynamo, dynamic, right? Same thing with the word power that you see in your English text. And then the word work, we get the word energy and energetic from that. So you could read it as the power that is actively working within us. Now, if you left out one word, it would still read who's able to do beyond all we ask or think. And you, you think that would be enough, right? He's able to do beyond anything you can ask or think. 
And that word beyond is our word hyper, right? Hyperactive, hypersensitive, hyperspace, right? Paul was not satisfied with that. He adds a further word that it also has the word hyper attached to it. So hyperabundantly beyond or exceedingly beyond or NIV immeasurably more. One translator, infinitely more abundantly. You can't, you can't get big enough. And I love how the commentator Lincoln, not Abraham, but Andrew, um, builds the sentence or shows how Paul builds this sentence. Now here we're really getting into the Greek. Uh, please don't check out. This, is, this, is, this could be interesting. <laughs> this might be interesting. Okay, he's able to do all. We know the word panta, all. Pandemic, panoramic, you see, everything. So he's able to do all we ask or think. Paul could have said that. He's able to do all we ask or think. That's, let's, let's pray at least that much to that God, God that's able to do all we ask or think. Not enough. He's able to do beyond all, hyper all, hyper panta. But he's not happy with that. He's able to do abundantly beyond all we ask or think. That's not enough. He's able to do more abundantly beyond all we ask or think. So he attaches that little et word to the abundant. And then finally, he puts hyper on that. He invents a word never before found in the Greek language. And so immeasurably more abundantly beyond. F.F. Bruce calls the word a super superlative. It's like Buzz Lightyear, right? to infinity and beyond. <laughs> That's kind of what Paul is saying here. He's able to do infinitely and beyond that. You can just see, and, and th what's encouraging to me about this is Paul, of course the Holy Spirit uses the passion and the understanding and the, and the wisdom of the apostle but it is the Holy Spirit that is moving him to invent this word. It's the infinite Holy Spirit, you see, that is working in Paul to try to convey to us the, the giant capacity that God has. Paul's inventing this word to try and scale the Mount Everest of God's power, to try and soar in the skies of God's power. Now, our smallest kids are gone, but some of you kids remember this, and some of you parents remember this. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God can't... Everybody, <laughs> motions included, okay? Encourage your children that this is a good thing to sing. Okay, here we go, ready? My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the rivers are his, the stars are his handiwork. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. We're, uh, do what? Oh, is there more? <laughs> 
You know, the Babylon Bee in its comedy said that the motion detectors haven't gone off for seven years in the Presbyterian Church. But, but they went off today. There you go. <laughs> You know, maybe, maybe you should sing that next time you pray, right? Maybe you should recall. Maybe you should memorize, I say you, we, should memorize this verse and think about this verse before we pray to remember how big our God is, that he is able to do far more abundantly than anything, everything, I might pray or ask or think. What a God that we pray for, a God able and willing. And this word power that is used here that we get dynamite and dynamic from, and he's used it already in Ephesians chapter one. He prays that we would understand the or know the immeasurable greatness. You see, there's that hyper word again, greatness of his power. You know the word megathos from Megatron, right? The evil leader of the Decepticons. Uh, of course, we all know that. But that's where that word is from, mega, okay? The, the beyond mega of his power. And Paul talks about being made a minister uh, that was by the gift of God's grace, which was given me thy working of his power. And then we read this morning, strengthen you with power through his spirit in the inner man. And in chapter one, when he's praying that we would know that power, he means that we would we would be convinced of this power, be in awe of this power, be excited about this power. We would pray in keeping with this power. This power that he says is now directed to us who helplessly trust in him. It's the power, as he goes on to say, that raised Christ from the dead. It took a dead man and seated him at the right hand of, God's, of, of God. And that power, he says, is now turned toward you. Like those tur a turret of a tank, you know, that was firing over here, and now it turns over. But this time, it's firing all God's goodness and greatness to you. It's your, it's a power for you to know and be convinced of. And in all of these places, it's toward us who believe, it's, our inner man, it's working within us. We, we are supposed to know not just that he has this power, but it's available to us. It's our power. And that's why Paul can say in your notes there, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There's that word power. He empowers me. And in Colossians 1, he says, in his ministry, I'm struggling with all of his energy that is powerfully energizing me, you might say, to keep the words consistent. That's what God is doing. Paul was able to carry out his ministry because of this great power. And it's obvious, but you know, he's talking about the power that created hundreds of billions of 
of galaxies and each one of them has hundreds of billions of stars in it. He not only made those, he sustains the whole universe and he names the stars each one. That to me is one of the most astounding aspects of his power because he just names them all. There's so much his little pets, his, his little thing, and he knows every single one of them. So great is he. But what is Paul talking about? That same power is operating in you, within your heart, to transform you, to make you into a different person in the context to enable you to know the astounding love of God and be filled up to all the fullness of God. So he's talking about the same power that works out there, but it's working in here. And though in yourself you won't change and can't change, I won't change. I can't change. By his power, we can change and we will change. We must say by his grace in keeping with Philippians 4, by his power, I can change and I will change. Will you say it with me? By his power, I can change and I will change. Not very enthusiastic, but I'll take it. But you see, when you're dealing with personal struggles and you're praying to a God that has this kind of power and you're promised that is directed into your life, it can change the way you pray. It can change what you expect from prayer. And then in the <clears throat> last part of this ascription of praise, he he states, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. It's interesting that this is the only time in an ascription of praise that glory is spoken of as being in the church. Now, it is spoken of in many other ways in the church, his glory. That is, and I have some of those there, like in 1 Peter 4, when he's talking about our using gifts within the church. The reason that we do this is to, that God may be glorified within the church as we serve each other faithfully with what God has given us. Or as we are interfacing with the world, we keep our conduct, conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So we're to glorify God in our love for one another. We're to glorify God in our love in the world. In fact, each one of us is a temple, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. And temples mean glory. God's glory dwelled in the tabernacle. God's glory dwelled in the temple. You are the shining out of God's glory in this world by your character. That's why he will change you. He wants to make his glory manifested in your life so that you will reflect the very love of God in the way you deal with others.
The commentator Thielman writes, as one generation yields to another, as one age passes to the next, for all time God will have glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. This he will have. And if we're a church that trusts him, we can trust him and expect him. He will shine his glory out of us, his people here. No matter what we've been through, no matter our struggles, no matter the difficulties, he is fixed to do that. And he is able to do that. Right? He is able to do that. There's nothing that can hinder his great power. So I urge you here in the application to think of the biggest relational, personal struggle you have or the biggest weakness or failure that you have. How will you pray for it in light of this passage? How high can you set the bar? How big will your prayer be? What will your expectations be? And brothers and sisters, when you have a God who is infinitely committed to your good and infinitely able to do you good and nothing can stop him, then and only then can you begin to understand the prayers of the psalmists who pray, why? Why, why is this situation not changed? Why, why is it not different? Or they pray, how long? How long? You see, these are people that expect God's goodness and power. They're not just saying, well, I, you know, like we will say, we plan a picnic and it just pours down rain. And what's your reaction? Yeah, always happens. I knew it would rain. <laughs> you know, that's what God does. Or he doesn't answer prayer. Well, I didn't really think he would. That's why the, the prayers of why and how long are prayers of great faith. They're prayers of expectation. And they're still expecting and they're still waiting and they will not let him go. They're like Jacob. I will not let you go until you bless me because you are able to do anything and you love me in Christ Jesus. I expect you, Lord, to pour your blessing and I will not let you go until you do. See, that's, that's faith. That's the expectation. How will you welcome and embrace and enjoy the beauty of this passage in all your prayers? All your prayers to pray for him in this way. And just bear in mind that Jesus encourages large prayers in several places. And I apologize, our, this is my fault. Uh, but Matthew 17, 19 should be 17, 20 and Matthew 21, 20 should be 21, 21. OK, 17, 20, 21, 20 should be. But they're both about moving the mountain. Uh, the first one is for, for Jesus to say they saw that he caused this fig tree to wither in a day. And they're just amazed. And Jesus says, you think this is something you pray for this mountain to be moved from this place to that place and it will be moved. And then in another place, he's, uh, he prays that if you have the, grain, the, the faith of a, a, a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be cast in the sea and it will happen. Now, he's not talking about real mountains, but he is talking about huge things that we face, right? 
huge obstacles the church may face, huge things that have gripped us and we don't know how God will get us out of this or get us through this, either individually or as a church. The prayer that moves the mountains that are in our lives, the prayers that move the great difficulties that seem to paralyze us. Jesus wants us to pray gigantic prayers. In one sense, every prayer is gigantic. Everything we pray for. If we're praying for it, it indicates, I can't do this. No human being can do this. Only you can do this, God. Only you can do this. And you are able to do so. Jesus, to take the last one, he delights in great faith. There's a Roman soldier and he comes to Jesus to heal my, come and heal my servant uh, or uh, my servant needs to be healed. And Jesus says, I'll go and see your servant. He says, no, no. Like, I don't want to bother you with that. He said, I'm a, I'm a leader. I, I just tell men to go and they go. I have authority. I just say it and it happens. Just speak the word and he'll be healed. Jesus says, I've not seen so great a faith in anyone in Israel. It's this Gentile who knows the authority of Jesus, knows that Jesus just speaks the word and it's done. Jesus points it out. He loves for people to expect, he loves for people to count on his authority to just speak and it's done. And perhaps one of my favorite illustrations with the evil judge it's pointed out several times in this passage in uh, Luke 11, uh, Luke 18. There's another uh, example in Luke 11, but we don't have time. But in Luke 18, Luke underscores that, or, or Jesus, this um, judge, doesn't fear God and he doesn't care about people. So he doesn't care about God, he doesn't care about people. He only cares about himself. But this widow comes and wants him to take care of her case. And of course, at first he's just like, leave me alone. I don't care about you. I don't care about God. I have no reason to do anything for you. Forget it. But she keeps coming and she keeps coming and she keeps coming. And finally, like, she's gonna drive me crazy. She's just gonna drive me crazy. Okay, 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 I'll do what you said. Now, God, Jesus gives that as an example because he's arguing from the greater to the lesser in a sense that even if even when somebody doesn't even want to do anything for you, if you're persistent, you get what you want. So what's it going to be like when God, who loves to do things for you, who's promised to do things for you, who is able to do things. What happens when you're persistent with him? You see the situation Jesus is presenting there? You can expect great, great things. Let's believe in our God who is able to do far abundantly beyond all we ask or think according to the great power that works within us. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you that you give yourself to us 
in this amazing way. In a sense, Lord, you declare yourself to be our mighty servant, to do for us what we cannot do ourselves. And you say, ask me, ask me, ask me, and I will act for you. As Isaiah says, whoever heard, all the nations, whoever heard of a God like this, who acts for those who wait on him. Oh Lord, we are astonished. Make us astonished that you make yourself over to us in this way. As you said to Abraham, I will be your God. I will be your God to bring blessing into your life. Ask me, ask me. Keep asking me. And oh Lord, if there are those here who've never even begun to ask you, if there are those here who've not begun to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, to trust in Christ who died in our place so that our sins could be forgiven, I pray that you would encourage them to come and pray that initial prayer to you, oh Lord, rescue me. Take away my sins. Oh Lord, forgive me through the precious work of Christ. Oh Lord, change me. Remake me. Own me. Oh bless me and be with me. Oh Lord, draw people to yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.